Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us on this episode of Turning to Him. I am here with Jen Broderick, an old friend, not an old friend, I apologize. We're five <laughs> seconds into this and I've already blown it. Uh, Jen and I have known each other for a very long time. We actually served our missions together in Minnesota. Some would call that mission the Frozen Chosen. Absolutely. Um, Jen, thanks for joining. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I when you asked me to do this, I'm just going to tell whoever's going to watch this. I think I'm really boring. And I asked him, I said, are you sure you want me? Because I think I'm pretty boring. So hopefully I'm able to share something that will help somebody. And if not, we got to have a good conversation, just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sounds good. The thing is, everybody says they're really boring. Everybody's like, oh, I don't have a story. And then at the end, they're like, wow, that was actually a really good story. So welcome. <laughs> Um, give us a little rundown on yourself, uh, kind of a, a dinner appointment rundown. All right. So I'm originally from California. My husband and I have been married for 18 years. We moved here to Utah about eight years ago, and we've got five children. I get to be a stay-at-home mom, which I love. And um, I just, we try our best to live the gospel, teach our kids the gospel principles, and hope and pray that they will want to continue following on that path and, and choose to stay in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, hopefully that's what you wanted, or at least that's good enough. <laughs> uh, five kids. What are your age? What are the ages of the kids? Oh, yeah, that's good. So we've got a 16 year old son and then 14 and a half year old twins, an 11 year old and a seven year old. So old twins. Yes. So, and that's actually, so that's who I'm going to be talking about is one of our twins today. She's 14. And um, so it was, we had three kids under the age of two for five months. And I don't remember a lot of that time, but I know that they're all still alive and that they're thriving. So <laughs> I mess up too bad. <laughs> hey, well, we could have a whole episode just on that, I'm sure. Well, I don't remember a lot, remember, so I don't know how long it would be, but yes, I mean, it, it was crazy at our house for quite a long time. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you mentioned that the experience that you wanted to talk about has to do with one of your twin daughters. Yes. So this is about our, my daughter, Addison. Um, she, when this all happened, um, so this happened like, oh, wait, hold on, I think. Um, she's 14, so it happened 10 years ago. So this was um, something that my family went through or our family went through about 10 years ago. Um, it started when she was three. We actually had driven up to Utah. We were living in California at the time and we had driven up to Utah to come up for my mother-in-law's birthday. And we drove into Midway. We get there, we unload everything, have some dinner. And then we go to get our kids ready for bed. And our daughter, she was kind of slumped over on our luggage and I was like, come on, Addison, it's time to get ready. And I thought she was just being funny or whatever. And she wasn't responding to me. And I was like, okay, enough. Like, come on, like everybody's getting ready. Let's do this. And, um, and like I said, she still wasn't responding. So I went over and I picked her up and her eyes were kind of just like rolled back in her head and her eyelids were just twitching. 
and she was lifeless. And I was like, Tyson, something's wrong. And so we put her on the bed and I thought she had gotten electrocuted. She was sitting right by an electrical outlet. And so I'm freaking out that that's what this is and that she got electrocuted and um, she just was not responding and she was not responding. And so they had to eventually kick me out because I was pretty hysterical at the time. Um, so who's, who's they? Um, so my whole family, so Tyson's whole family was there because it was his mom's birthday. So it was like my, thank you for, so it was my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my other brother-in-law, um, and my other kids and my husband, we were all in this room trying to get our kids ready. So they kick us all out. And finally, my sister-in-law's like, has anybody called 911 yet? And then we're like, oh no, we probably ought to do that. So she calls 911. And because we had all just come in to like be at this house for my mother-in-law's birthday, Nobody had an address. And so we're like trying to find an address. We're just up in midway somewhere. And eventually we find it and the paramedics come and she's still not responding. And so they gave her a blessing and uh, the paramedics load her up and they take her to the hospital. And while we're en route to the hospital, the paramedic said she's having a seizure. And I was like, a seizure. Okay. She didn't electrocute herself. So I'm like, okay, a seizure. But then I'm like, well, a seizure like okay what does that mean and um so then that kind of started all of these things we started going to doctors and they said well it could have just been a one-time event or it could be something we just don't know and I was like okay so anyway, before, had- before we get too far into that I mean what what happens you get to the hospital I mean does she all of a sudden just kind of regain consciousness yes yeah, or- so she eventually comes to they actually, she has something where she has an adverse effect to medication. So they gave her Valium and that Valium actually, I mean, I've become very knowledgeable in this area where a lot of drugs that um, they have, they use for other things, but it originally started to help people with epilepsy and Valium is one of those. And so they gave her Valium and she came around and then she was a spaz. Like she was bouncing off the walls in this hospital, like crazy and I was like can we not give this to her ever again this is the worst (laughs) and uh so so yeah it was just it was crazy so we just kind of watched and you know they said go follow up with her doctor back at home they did a cat scan and nothing like there was nothing like a brain tumor or anything like that which is a good thing but it didn't give us any answers and they just said wait and see and I and you know I'm a very like here's a plan, we're going to attack the plan, and we're going to go forward. And that's the type of person I am. And so it was really hard to not have a set plan. But I d- we just had to continue on. So at this point, like, we've kind of forgotten about it, nothing else has happened. And then March, the next year rolls around, and um, she has another seizure. And so at this point, we start going to the doctor and trying to figure out what happened. And they're like, well, she had a small fever, so it could have just been um, ephemer- ephemeral seizure, which means it's like from a fever. Uh, but then they continued and they continued and they continued and they just kept putting, a ho- putting her on more and more medication. And at this point, we now have four kids. I had just had another baby um, and she was a few months old when this happened, when she started having seizures again. And so now we've got four kids and a daughter that's having seizures and we have no idea what's going on and what's happening daily. And she has like all the, there's four different types of seizures and she was having all four types of seizures. So the one that most people are 
familiar with are like what they call grand mal or tonic seizures, which are like when you drop and you shake. And she had those and she had like the twitching where she would just kind of like all of a sudden just her arm would flail or head would drop. And she had what's called drop seizures where your body just loses its ability to like, oh, sorry. She loses the ability to stand and she just drops to the ground, but she doesn't lose consciousness. And then she would have absence seizures where we kind of like zone out. But if someone were to be like, hey, Zach, he's like, yeah, yeah. But she can't do that. She would just be like zoned out and you can't, you couldn't talk to her and get her out of it because she's having a seizure. And so she had all four types of this. But at this point, I still didn't know that that's what was going on. I just knew she was having seizures. And I didn't realize she was having all of these types of seizures. So um, there was two weeks where she was just having them so much that her brain just basically like needed to reset. Or I, I don't even know how to describe it, but she lost almost all of her motor skills. She couldn't feed herself. She couldn't talk. She couldn't walk without assistance. Our nine month, our seven month old baby had better motor skills than she did. And, you know, as a mom, like I'm freaking out because I don't know that these motor skills are ever going to come back again. And she's four years old, four and a half years old. Four years old. Yeah. So she's four years old at this time. So, you know, the doctors are like, okay, let's just put her on some medication. So we put her on some medication and and it's not stopping the seizures. Um, the thing with seizures are that you, the, the seizures are not good, obviously, but you're not there. You're more prone to an injury because of your seizure rather than the seizure itself. So there was one time she was outside riding the bike with her brothers and she fell and hit the stucco of our house and had a goose egg like this big on her head. And it was like just ginormous. Um, there was another time where I was making breakfast and um, all of a sudden I hear something falling down the stairs. And I go around to yell at the kids, stop throwing things down the stairs. And it's my daughter tumbling down the stairs and hitting the tile floor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so th- this is just not something that I want to keep dealing with. And so we just keep going back to the doctor and um, he just kept reassuring me her, her, her motor skills will come back. Her brain just kind of needs to reset and it'll, and I'll be okay. And, and it did, and it did get better. So I was really grateful. Um, and so at this point she's on a couple different drugs and the big one that kind of was like the catalyst where I was like, I can't do this anymore was there was this one night um, that she would have what they would call piggyback seizures, which is where you'd have a, a grand mal seizure and then you go into what's called a post-ectal phase where you're kind of like you're kind of just zoned out and just sleepy. And and then you come out of it and you kind of are aware and awake and and then you're you continue on. Well, she would have them. She'd go into that post-ectal and then she'd have another grand mal seizure. And then she'd go to, you know, she just would never really come out of it. And so there was this one night where that's what was happening. She just kept on having piggyback um, seizures. And then she started vomiting. And once she started vomiting, like it was over because she threw up her medications and we couldn't control her seizures. So like at 930 at night, she'd thrown up. She'd had kept having seizures and not coming out of them. And so I told my husband, like, we've got to go take her to the hospital. And so at this point, we dealt with this for months. Like this isn't like she has a seizure and her little twin brother who's four as well he like will go on the floor and start shaking next to her I mean that's kind of like the life that we are now living where it's now like this is your normal like this is funny and so he starts doing it and mimicking her I'm like 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's hard when he yeah you don't do that we don't do that this isn't this is serious um so since it's like 9 30 at night we call a neighbor he they come over and sit with our kids because she's not coming out but i don't feel comfortable just driving her to the hospital myself and so my husband drops us off and i put her in a wheelchair and there's a line at the hospital so i just get in the line and i just patiently wait for my turn to get her admitted and this woman in front of me she turns around and looks at her and oh because she started having another seizure so i kind of bend down next to her and just calmly you know it's okay we're here and talking to her and this woman she's like is she having a seizure and i was like yeah she is and she's like this little girl's having a seizure and like the next thing i know like everybody's rushing out. <laughs> yes yes and i've got nurses out there and everybody out there and they're like wheeling us back and i thought to myself well that's one way to get into the er really quickly you know i was just taking my time like i'll wait and but they got us in really quick so um so that night um my husband eventually after being there for like 35 40 maybe an hour i don't know we my parents were working at the temple and which was a huge blessing that they were able to just pick him up on the way home and they take him home so our neighbors can go home and probably not even 15 minutes after he leaves, she starts having a seizure again. And she's just in her bed and I'm just kind of waiting and nobody's coming in and I'm just kind of watching the clock. And now it's like been five minutes that she's been having a grand mal seizure. And I'm like, this is not stopping. So I kind of peek my head out and I was like, she's having a seizure and it's not really stopping. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll come in. I thought they would come in. She was attached to stuff, you know, monitors and, um, they're like, okay, so they start putting some meds, pushing some meds, trying to get her to stop, and she just won't stop. And then at that point, they give me um, a tube. They're trying to like suction out her mouth because it's just continuing to go. And so I'm suctioning out her mouth, and we're now at like 15 minutes that this little four-year-old has been having a grand mal seizure. And I'm watching her numbers. I'm watching where her heart rate's at. I'm watching where her oxygen levels are at. And her heart is like at 200 beats per minute. And I'm like, how long can she sustain this? Like, how long is this going to go on? And uh, we've got lots of nurses in there. And then the ER doctor comes in and he kind of gets upset with the nurses because I'm like sectioning out her mouth. And like I said, I'm a, like a person, like I've got a plan, I've got a purpose. And as soon as that doctor got angry with the nurses, I'm like, what is this mom doing this? Someone take over. And they took that away from me. I like realized what's really happening. And so I'm like, what can I do? And so I was like, I'm calling my husband. So I call him up and like Tyson, she's been having these seizures for 15 minutes and they can't get it to stop. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, I just need you to pray. And so he just, we just say a prayer on the phone while the doctors are just kind of going around and trying to get this little girl under control. And um, it goes on for 45 minutes. I heard, heard this grand mal seizure with her heart rate at 200 beats per minute. Her oxygen level, oxygen level stayed at about 90, and then it started to drop. And I was like, they're going to have to intubate her. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, no, we can't be doing this. And, and then all of a sudden, her body just relaxed, and it stopped. And um, so she finally, they were able to control the seizure, and they got her to stop. But then we ended up staying in the hospital for like 13, in the PICU for 13 days, because they could not control her seizures. And um, it was a hard time because, like I said, we, we still have four kids at, you know, total. We've got three kids at home and my husband's having to work and I can't leave the hospital um, for 13 days. Because every time I would leave, she would just 
freak out and start pulling out her IDs. And um, it was just, it was a really, really challenging time. And um, I mean, there were so many things that happened that, um, that I just knew that the Lord was there at, you know, helping me along the way. The doctors were not really communicating to me what was going on. And the neurologist was on vacation. So the neurologist wasn't coming in and telling me what was going on. And I just felt like so helpless that I couldn't do anything to help this little girl who just keeps having seizures and they don't know why. And they said, you may never know why that she's having all these seizures. And I'm like, that's unacceptable. Like, I'm not okay with this answer, you know? And um, so um, I just happened to be talking to my best friend and I told her what, you know, this is, you know, day three or four that we're in the hospital and I'm talking to her what's going on and I'm just expressing my frustration. And she's like, wait, this is a hospital you're at. And I said, like, yeah, she's like, hey, my mom's best friend's sister or my mom's best friend's brother sits on the board of that hospital. And I was like, oh, OK. She's like, I'm going to call them and, and see if there's anything we can do to help you so the doctors can communicate better with you. And I'm like, OK. And so she calls. So she calls her mom and her mom calls her best friend or best friend calls her brother. And the next thing I know, they're calling me back and they said, you need to go to this floor and find this, this room. And I'm like, okay. But it's like five o'clock in the afternoon. And I go and I knock and nobody answers. It's locked. I'm like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden the door opens and a woman comes out and she's like, can I help you with something? And I just lose it. I just start bawling. And she just ushers me in and she gives me a hug and she's like, what's going on? And I just told her, I said, this is what's happening. And I just, I don't know what's going on with my kid. And I don't feel like I, I, the doctors are telling me. And the next thing, you know, the next day rolls around and my best friend's mom comes into the hospital room and we're in this big um, conference room with the head of the hospital and the head of nursing and the doctor. And they're like, let's, what's going on? And she's like, well, my name is Fran. And I'm going to be here with my, my friend Jen here. And I need everybody in the room to introduce themselves. And I'm taking notes what's happening in this meeting. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. And I realized at that point that like, and I can't remember if my, my best friend's mom used the word advocate, but that's kind of what she was. Like she was the advocate for, for me at that time. And then I, and then I realized I needed to be the advocate for my daughter that if I needed something done, I needed to do that. And I can go on a whole long tangent about how that helped me to realize that the Lord is the advocate with us, that when on that judgment day, there's not much more that I can do or say that it really is going to be my savior who is going to be standing there and fighting for, for me. And it really helped me to understand more what that word really means and what it's going to be like when we stand at that judgment and how important an advocate is, because it was at that point where the doctor finally communicated to me what was going on and what the plan was. Um, And I was just so appreciative that I just happened to be talking to my friend and she's like, wait, I know somebody at the hospital. And so all along the way, like I um, told you before, there were just so many things that this is a long story, but so many little blessings or little things that happened along the way that helped me to turn to my savior. Um, So we ended up, so while we were there also, um, like I said, my, my daughter, she just really hated being there in the hospital. She was attached to all these, like they couldn't, she couldn't just go around roaming the hospital because of of all these seizures. And so we were kind of held up in this room for, like I said, 14 days. And uh, 
she had this one medication. It was the one medication that would control her seizures, but it's a, the doctors would say it's a really nasty drug. We don't want her on this drug because it does. It's just so hard on the body and it would burn her veins. And so she constantly was having to have IVs moved around. Like her IVs would only last for two to three days. And then we'd have to move it to another site because this drug was just destroying her veins because it was so potent and it would just burn her drug or burn her veins. And um, I remember, gosh, this probably was a week, probably a week or so into it. And I just, I was feeling just hopeless. I didn't know what we were going to be able to do. So I went into a bathroom because I was trying to be strong, you know, like I didn't want to cry in front of her and upset her even more. And so I tried to be really strong. And so I went into this bathroom out of the PICU and I didn't feel comfortable kneeling on the floor in this bathroom. So I just stood there and I just poured out my heart and I, I just told my father, I don't know what else to do. There's nothing more that I can do for my little girl, but I know that, you know, what she needs and how we're going to get through this. And um, it wasn't too long after that, while we were in the hospital that my sister who lives in Seattle um, called me and she's like, Jen, she's like, I just, it's the weirdest thing. Once again, this was 10 years ago. I don't know if you guys remember when Netflix would send DVDs to your house, you would order them and they would send them to you. And she's like, Jen, last night I watched this movie. I had it sitting at my house for like a week and a half. And I finally was like, I either need to watch this or send it back. And I looked at it and I thought, I don't remember ordering this movie. I did not order this movie. It was a 1990 made for TV movie about this family that their daughters or that their son started having seizures. And, and I started watching it and I watched it only because Meryl Streep was in it. And she's one of my favorite actresses. And so she was telling me about this movie and she said, but you cannot watch this movie. And I was like, okay. And she's like, because it'll be too much for you. But this is a movie. It's called first do no harm. And there's this diet called the ketogenic diet and it helps so much. So you need to ask her doctor about the ketogenic diet. And I was like, okay. So I did ask the doctor and he's like, Oh, it only helps for a very small portion of people with epilepsy. But I mean, we can try it, but it's going to be really hard. And most of the people that go on it, they're like on feeding tubes because it's a very strict diet that they have to be on, but they did find that it can help people with epilepsy. So I was like, okay. Um, didn't really think too much more of it, went home and of course ordered the movie to watch it. And, um, I don't know if there's, if anybody's ever watched a movie and you feel like you are watching your life on you know, the big screen. Yeah. It was 100% minus the fact that mine was a daughter versus a son. There were so many similarities. Meryl Streep was playing me, me in my life. Wow. And, um, it was crazy and it was so, it was really emotional. I probably should have listened to my sister and not watched it, <laughs> but I did. And so I then was like, this is what we need to do. This is like our answer to our prayers. Like, this is what we need to do is get my daughter on this diet. And so, um, to make a long story short, I, I read a book, like I found out that she could go into um, a diabetic ketosis, she could die from this diet, like all these awful things. And I'm like, you want me to do this myself, put my child on this diet? I don't, I don't know that this is really possible. And so we met with some dietitians and we tried to get this all done. And finally, once again, I just had to be her advocate. And I said, if she throws up, she will start having seizures and we will not be able to control her seizures. 
And so they finally said, okay, they relented and said, we'll go ahead and start her in the hospital. And so that's what we ended up doing. Before we started, I guess I can backtrack a little bit. So before like we actually started the diet, we had been in and out of the hospital multiple times. So like probably if I'm talking about space of time, maybe like six months had passed between that 13 day. And when my sister told me about the seizure, fast forward six months, we're finally starting her on the diet. And we had another seven week and a nine week. And every time she went off that one drug that I told you was really nasty, she would start procedures up again. But they needed her off this medication. You said you had another like seven week and nine weeks. So more stints. Oh, not week. I'm sorry, not seven weeks, seven day, nine day. Sorry, sorry. Okay, seven but still, days and nine weeks. you're having extended stays in the multiple yes. extended days in the hospital. Yes. yes. While still having all these kids at home and my husband trying to work. And, you know, and that's part of it too, right? Like the, my parents happened, my parents did live in the same city that we lived in. Um, but, and this was another blessing. Like when I was in the hospital for that first 13 days, like our ward stepped up, my parents, you know, were able to take the kids and I, the Lord really did take from me that I don't want to say burden because it's not a burden. I don't know the right word to use, but that, that guilt, I guess that guilt of not being able to help the rest of my family, that everybody else picked up that load, our ward, I didn't have to worry about who was taking my kids where they needed to be, who was feeding my family, who was helping with my house, who was, you know, I have a nine month old baby at home, and I'm still nursing, you know, like, this wasn't just an easy thing for me to step away for 13 days, for seven days, nine days, three days at a time. I mean, it was, it was rough, like it was a very rough, you know, nine months from when her seizures really started until we got her on the diet. And um, so there was a lot that had gone in. I kind of skimmed over a lot of it. But um, but yeah, for sure. Like I really felt along the way that the Lord helped me and just gave me the comfort that I needed to be able to be 100% focused on what was going on with her. And then when I was able to go home for a night, I was able to be with my other kids. You know, my husband would come and we would wait. It was kind of a funny joke. We would be like, okay, I waited till her heart rate went to this level. And I thought for sure she was asleep, asleep. And then I would leave and then her dad would come and then she'd be awake. And then she'd be a holy terror. Like she hated me leaving the hospital. And he's like, please come back to the hospital. I can't be here because <laughs> she was just so hard. Like she just wanted her mom, which, you know, is great. But then when I had three other kids at home, it was really hard. It was like a really, but like I said, I feel like the Lord helped my heart. So I didn't feel the guilt and the sorrow and like all those other things, not being able to be with the rest of my family, but that I could be there for her. Um, so uh, I, I kind of lost where I was at, but yeah, so we had multiple stays in the hospital, and every time she would go off this drug, the one is called Dilantin. Within 24 hours of that drug being her her last dose, it would usually take about I think it was like seven to nine days. I can't remember the exact time frame, but seven to nine days after going, it would take to wean her off of that pill. Um, within 24 hours, her seizures would be up and going again. So this and is so, your life for six months until you are able to start this diet. Yeah, so we were in and out of the hospital during that time, still having these grand mal seizures, having tons of tests done, trying to track 
her seizures and what kind of seizures she's having. And, um, and like I said before, like this diet is a really, a really strict diet. And I think that's why the doctors probably didn't offer it as an option because it is a really, you have to get her into ketosis. And in order to do that, you have, I'd have to weigh all of her food to the gram. So like, well, I'm getting ahead of myself again. I'll get back to that. <laughs> so is this, is this different than just the, the keto diet that you hear about? Yes, it is. It's that yeah. diet. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Very same one. So yeah. So she was four years. Oh, she was five years old when we started her on the diet. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, we would joke about it. I mean, that's all you can do a lot of times when you're in these situations is just be like, yeah, my five-year-old that's stick and bone, you know, skin and bones is on a diet, you know, people yes. would think I was crazy. And like, I'm sure people that, I mean, people never said I was crazy, but I could get those looks, you know, yeah, nobody like, would ever tell you that you're crazy to your face if they knew you, because they know that, you know, Jen doesn't play <laughs> well to that. No, no, totally, <laughs> totally stable, totally stable. <laughs> okay, so you're on this, or she's on this diet. So she gets on the diet. We're in the hospital. Sure enough, she starts vomiting. She starts having piggyback, you know, seizures again. But we just stick with it. We get her on the diet. I mean, she was drinking the first thing. You have to fast for 24 hours. So I brought her into the hospital fasting and then she would have to drink like heavy whipping cream and she has to have so much fat in her diet. So the fat, it's like a ratio that she had to be on. So it had to be so much fat, so much protein and so many carbs. And um, there was like this computer program that I would have to use to, to get everything the way that it needed to be, like I said, weighed to the gram. And so, um, so we got her on the diet. We were there for three or four days because she started having seizures. We couldn't control them. And she's now on three different types of medications. And these pills that she was taking, Zach, I mean, they were, she was like on 20, 2,750 milligrams of one cool. drug. She was on 750 milligrams of another drug and 30 milligrams of another drug. These it- pills. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know milligrams, a little ibuprofen is 200 milligrams. Correct. And on one Correct. of them, she's on, you said 2,000. 2,700. 2,700. 2700. Just she was taking horse pills. Like, these pills were massive. And the five-year-old is just popping them in her mouth and taking them. Wow, And wow. so that's a whole other thing, like, that she, would, that she would be willing to take these pills. I mean, I would have friends that are like, yeah, my 12-year-old still doesn't know how to take a pill. And here she is, five years old popping three of these ginormous like think of your vitamin pills yes. and they're your biggest vitamin pill those, that multivitamin it's as big one of those and she would have to take two two of those for the 2700 and then another one I mean she was taking six or seven pills every single day and she would just it was part of her life and she would just do it and I just think that's once again that is a blessing that the Lord knew that she could do that you yeah. know we started with little mini M&Ms and that's one of the tricks that one of the nurses told us in the hospital, try to get her to do a Tic Tac or a mini M&M. And then she can have, if she gets it down, she gets seven M&Ms that she gets to eat, you know? Yes. And so that's how we got her to take her pills. So she's on all these drugs and we get to go home. She's now on the diet. Um, she ate, oh my gosh, Zach, she ate the same thing like almost every single day and she never complained 
and she was on the diet for almost two years. And she would eat part of a Hebrew national hot dog, about a third of a cheese stick, two baby carrots, and then her heavy whipping cream and coconut oil. And that would like be her lunch almost every single day. And then she would eat popcorn, like a little bowl of popcorn and so much melted butter on it that she'd have to scrape the bowl at the end and eat all of it because she had to stay in ketosis. Yes. And so this was what where we were at. And so she's on the diet and we're approaching that seven to nine days when she's off the dilantin and she's going to start having seizures again. And I am just dreading it. We're all just dreading it because we know. And this is like go time, right? And we get to that nine days and she still hasn't had a seizure. And we're like, okay, this might work. This might actually work. We're at two weeks. She's off dilantin. We still had not have, we have not had a seizure. We're at a month. We're at, you know, and we knew at a month, we're like, this is it. And it all because a DVD was sent to my sister that she did not order that told her about this ketogenic diet that the doctors did not offer as an option, but the Lord put at my sister's house. And we know for 100% that it was the Lord because I don't know how else she would have gotten this DVD or how we would have learned about this diet. Yeah, because you didn't have time to watch it. You're not watching, you're not kicking back at Netflix. Life. Right. And picking a movie from 1990. Yeah. That's like over 15 years old, 18 years old and watching a made for TV movie that nobody's ever heard of, you know? And so, I mean, that's how we find it out. And so we then, I mean, she, I could count on one hand how many times she cheated on her diet. I I don't know what five-year-old is willing to not fudge at a birthday party or so she started the diet in September and mid-September is when she started it so like that's when you have all the holidays it's when you have Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and so Halloween comes and we're like okay what do we do with all this candy she went trick-or-treating and I was like hey I'll give you five dollars if you give me all your candy and she's like okay and did one piece of candy she didn't go into her brother's room and take sneak a piece of their candy at five years old like that just that doesn't happen has has she put together I mean at this point has she put together that this diet is what is making me not have seizures or is it just like hey mom's making me eat this weird food that the rest of my family doesn't eat that's I I mean I never really talked about that with her because she was five like I don't know if she would be able to recognize that really but um I mean we knew for 100 that yes it did And I think she, I think instinctively, I think our bodies know when they feel better, you know, they instinctively know that something is right for them. And that's why she didn't do it. You know, like she just was able to do it. And, and the doctors were like, this is why we didn't offer this as an option. She's five years old. What five-year-old kid is going to never go into the pantry or into the refrigerator and grab a glass of milk or is going to grab a cracker and eat it. Like that was basically poison for her body. It was not like she couldn't eat those things. She couldn't just go and eat what she wanted at school when people brought in, you know, treats. She could never have it. She, you know, and the funny thing was, is everybody would be like, Addison, when you get off this diet, I'm going to give you dot, 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 dot. And as I got closer to that date of when she was going to get off 
the diet, I was like, you better remember this promise because I guarantee you Addison will remember and she will call in whatever you offer to her and she's going to want it. So if you told her you're going to give her pizza and take her out, you better be prepared to, you know, do it. And she did. She remembered every little thing that everybody promised her when she was off the diet. (laughs) That was going to be my next question. It sounds like this is not a lifetime diet. No, like you only are on it um, for like a, a, a short period of time. So she was on it for two years, just shy of two years. So she, she transitioned. And she off. has never had a seizure since Do you we know started why? her on the diet and she's never had a, a seizure since going from having 10 to 15 grand mal seizures in a day to never having one again. So, I mean, do you know why, or is that still a mystery? Nope. We don't know. There, there, no one in my family has a history of epilepsy. No one in my husband's family has history of epilepsy. I mean, I guess like generations upon generations upon generations ago, maybe somebody did, but we don't know. We, they never were able to say why this happened, but she did. She had that rare percentage um, of epilepsy that few people have that made it. So the ketogenic diet would actually work because like, I don't know if, you heard me say earlier, like this diet only works for a small portion of people that have epilepsy and she happened to have that syndrome. And so it worked for her. So. Wow. Yeah. And I, so that's what I'm saying. It's a long story, but like, there's so many things along the way that I know sometimes like we went on a trial, it's so hard to like be able to pinpoint all those areas that the Lord was there and calling us towards him. But when you look back and you reflect on those things and you can finally like look back and see all those things, that's when like, I was just blown away about how the Lord was just, you know, right there. I mean, obviously like getting that DVD, like that was a pretty obvious one. I didn't really need much time to reflect on that to be like, Oh, was that, was that heavenly father helping and saying, this is what we no. They was like, Nope, this is it. After we hit that, nine day mark and she didn't have a seizure and she, that drug was out of her system. Like we were pretty confident that it was going to work. And it didn't, like I said, if you were to talk and sit down and have a conversation with her, you would never know. You would never know that for nine months, she had uncontrollable epilepsy and um, she does have slight processing issues at this point, but so small, like, she gets straight A's. She's a hard worker. And that's something that I know the Lord blessed her with to be a hard worker and perseverance and just willing to do what she needs to do to get the result that she wants. Yeah. Um, I talk to brothers all the time that are wicked smart. I was like, you better watch out for your sister. You know, she may not be as book smart as you are, but because of her hard work, she will absolutely be more successful than you because of her hard work and her work ethic. Cause everything comes so easy for you. Watch out. She's yeah. going to take, she's going to take on the world. Um, she's a vars- She's a freshman in high school now and she's five ten, So eating very small calories. I think I first say, I think she only ate 1100 calories per day for two years is all she ate. Wow. Um, and she's 5'10", so it obviously did not stunt her growth. Yes. At 14 years old, she's a, she's a varsity cross-country runner and track runner. And she's just, I mean, she really is a miracle. Truly. Yeah. Jen, I, 
if there's somebody else out there in your specific situation and they watch this, I hope that they do. I hope that's fantastic. But you have a very specific case. However, there are a lot of principles there that I think are very widely applicable. So even though I've never had one of my kids has never had a seizure before, but I have felt helpless before when it comes to dealing with my kids' medical situations. I have had that. We're just like, Heavenly Father, I don't know what else to do. Like this is, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I feel like there are so many parts of your story of this story and of your daughter's story that are universally, universally applicable. Yeah. Um, Something you said that struck out to me uh, that the Lord took away your guilt. Um, Oftentimes we hear that phrase associated with the repentance process. Mm -hmm. But just a reminder, the atonement is not about, is not only about repenting for sins. Yep. It's about yeah. making up with our shortcomings. Go ahead. I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It, it was, there was nothing that I could do. There was not, there was no way for me to be in, be in both places and to do the things that I felt I needed to do. And so the Lord made it so that I didn't have to feel that, that pain or that guilt of not being able to do everything. Cause I, you know, I think we do feel like we need to be able to do everything and we need to, I am a very independent person and I want to be able to handle things on my own. And that's just not what it's about. We can't do it all. We cannot, we have got to have the savior in our life. And he is the one that does take away that, that guilt or that, um, you know, the depression that you're, you know, not taking away. I shouldn't say that. That can help you through that depression or that, that can help you through anything that you're going through. And it's not just, like you said, it's not, the atonement is not just for the sins. It's like, it's also for everything we go through. And, and I think having gone through this experience, I realized truly that the Lord is walking there beside you in those times. Like he truly is. I mean, I felt carried through things so often, and I'm sure my husband could have a very different view. I'm sure his stories are very different than my stories, but I know that he felt that too. I know that he felt that the Lord was helping us along the way because we were completely helpless and we were dependent on so many other areas, you know, needing to be taken care of by doctors and all these other areas. And it was, it was truly him and the atonement helping in that, helping us through. Were you ever angry with the Lord? No, I wasn't. And, and this is another thing. So my, when I was 18 years old, my sister passed away. She was 25. Um, and she had been in high school her junior year and her kidney failed. And she had to have a kidney transplant. And she was fortunate enough to have a kidney transplant. And she had that kidney for eight years. And then um, her kidney failed again. And she never asked, why me? She always just said, why now? Why now? I have so many things that I wanted to do. And so I think having had that experience in my life that she never was angry at God, she was never angry about her situation. It was more of, okay, why, why do I have to go through this right now? Because I have so many things that I want to do, but then it helped me realize that it doesn't matter what I want to do. It's, it's really the the Lord's timetable. And this is what he needs you to go through at this point to learn and what you need to learn at this time. And so I know I never was. Wow. That's a fantastic perspective. 
you know, I like how you said that the Lord will teach us in his timeline and he knows what we need to be taught. Yeah. And so he walks through that. Something else you said struck out, uh, struck me that, you know, you are a person who thrives on action, on having a plan, yes. build the plan. I'm going to execute the plan. And that's how things get done. That's how yeah. this world works. And I, it seems like for a lot of us, perhaps most of us, um, the counsel and the, the thing that I am continually taught from the Lord is I need a little more effort out of you. I just need a little more, like, I just need you to work a little bit harder. I need you to work a little bit harder. Sometimes, though, there is a group of people where it seems like the Lord, ha- the Lord teaches you, I just need you to take a break. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do at this point. You yeah. just have to be a passenger on the bus. You're not driving right <clears throat> Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, was that, I, I assume that was very but, difficult for you. Yeah, I mean, but that, yes, I mean, that's 100%. I, yeah, you just have to go through that and he is going to learn. You are going to learn and you are going to discover things. And I had people all the time that would say, oh, I can never do what you're going through, Jen. You're so strong. You're so strong to be able to deal with this. And I was, I never felt like that. I never felt like it was something that I was doing. I just really felt like it was something that we were going through and we're going to get through to the other side and it's all going to work out. And it's really the Lord's timetable and it is what it is. I mean, I know that sounds really like there's nothing I can do in this life. It's just going to happen to me. Well, no, you can't just let life happen to you, but there are things that are out of your control and you can only control so much. You can only control how you're going to respond to a situation. Are you going to sit in the corner and just ball and be like, well, there's nothing that I can do and throw up your hands and say, I'm done. Or are you going to be the type of person that's like, no, I'm just going to trust and have faith and believe that we're going to get to that next step. And, and sometimes you just have to be willing to put that foot out and say, I, yeah, I do. I have the faith to put that foot out and, and, look into the dark and, and have the faith to do take that next step. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, last one, you kind of already talked about this last one, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. What do you say to the parent right now? Who's sitting in the waiting room of a hospital, wringing their hands, not knowing what the next uh, 12 hours to, three weeks is going to look like. What do you say to that parent? That's hard because each situation is so different. While she was in the hospital, there was actually a little boy that was brought in and he didn't make it. And I did get to sit with his parents and talk to them about losing their child. And I say to that family, I really hope that you understand the plan. Of, I mean, I would want to teach them the plan of salvation. That's what I would want to do. Like if I could do anything, that's what I would want to do. I would want to teach them the plan of salvation and let them know there's a way for you to be with your family again. And that I know that it's hard because it's, you know, I've lost a sister and I, I feel like having the knowledge of the plan of salvation has given me the strength to be able to go through these situations. Um, with my daughter or, you know, all these different issues that we have to go through. So I would just hold their hand and let them know that they are not alone. And there is somebody that infinitely loves them and will help them through the situation. If they will just reach out and 
just have a little hope that he's there and will help them through it. Just, just try, just test it, just see if it, just see, just see if there is something there. Because I know that if you're willing to try that, he will be there and he will help them. And not that it's going to be perfect and not that, you know, you may get the outcome that you want, because I know I've got many people that have not got the outcome that they wanted, did not get to have this miracle child that has been able to thrive and to have a life that she hopefully will be able to live, you know, but just believe that there is somebody there and that he has a plan for you and for your child and he will give you that peace that you need. I guess that's what I would tell him and teach him the plan of salvation. <laughs> well, thanks again for taking the time to yeah have a personal uh, story with us. Well, thank you for letting me share it with you. Like I said, I know it's kind of a long one and hopefully it was coherent. And like I said, I still think I'm boring, but thank you for letting me share. <laughs> I did. Good. I, you know, both my husband and I really did feel like, okay, this experience that we went through, we really hope that this is something that we can share with other people and help them through it. And, and I think there have been, and um, we've come across people that have gone through similar situations, but obviously not identical. Um, but the one thing, like you said, that you can do is just, I've always just gone back to that Christ really was there for us and helped us. And I really believe that's the only way we made through it because it was a rocky time. It was really hard, but I, I know that there were too many things that coincidentally, you know, that happened in this situation um, that I don't believe that it was the Lord's hand and helping us and just to look back and, and look at those trials and really think about what happened in those trials. And I know that you will see the Lord's hand in during that trial and where he was with you that you may not have seen in the situation, but if you will sit and reflect, I guarantee you will see his hand in your life. <laughs>